Welcome to the Embrace Podcast. I'm Andrea, and by tuning in, you'll hear both encouraging and entertaining stories of faith from my circle of friends, Christian authors, and experts in the fitness industry. For listening today, I'd like to offer one month free to my daily workout program with code EmbracePodcast at EmbraceMovement.com. That's EmbraceMVMNT.com. Hey, Embrace Podcast. Today we have on a, a new guest and it's Anne Pazma and she runs Library for Littles and she comes up with all these book recommendations after working years in libraries and offers book lists and has programs you can join um, and just talks about the books that she likes, picture books for littles and middle schoolers. And I found her so interesting. Somehow she weaves in her thoughts about faith and the gospel and the themes of all these books. And I just am so here for it. So I'm hoping that all of you mama listeners are going to love this episode. Hi, Anne. Hi. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I just love your content on your Instagram and it's cool to see, you know, it grow. I know that people, um, you know, are like commenting and stuff and just making conversation over these book titles. When you started, did you really think that that was going to happen that fast? No, not at all. Like it just exploded. And I've thought, I mean, it was, there were some, sometimes that, that, um, people with bigger platforms would share my stuff. And all of a sudden I would gain like 500 new followers and wow. sometimes I would just get overwhelmed. I was like, well, hold on. <laughs> like, just, just like, press pause. I'm not quite sure I'm ready for that kind of attention. But um, yeah, it's just really exciting. And I found her through her husband. Um, he has an Instagram called Slow to Write, Samuel Say. And yeah, it's just been cool to follow him along too. And then I think maybe he posted about you for Valentine's Day or something like that. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, or sorry, fiance, right? You guys are mm-hmm. set to be married in a couple months. So mm-hmm. by the time this episode comes out, we might, you know, have just been able to leave it at husband. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we had been following him. My husband was a huge fan. And so we were like, wait, who's he dating? And wow, she's got this cool book program. And so, um, yeah, so let's, uh, let's get started. My first question is about the story time program and why you started book reviews for kids. Yeah, sure. So my story time program, um, it is constantly evolving and, um, I'm actually considering putting it on pause until I get just a bit more of an idea of what I, what I want it to look like. Um, we'll see like this whole new, this, like everything that I'm doing is super new. And it, again, has happened so fast. Like, I'm just like, trying, spinning the wheels, trying to keep my head above water. Um, But my favorite part of my job uh, working in libraries was doing story time. And I would get like 75 toddlers at, in like, yeah, it was intense. It was intense, but I love How would they be able to even do that? (laughs) It's incredible. I mean, Because, and they were so good. Like, you know, I had my rules. I said, you know, we don't talk when someone else is talking because that's rude. And they would like, I had toddlers who just sit there and like mesmerize. They would sing the songs with me. They would get excited, but then they would calm down when it was time for the actual story. And then we would get up and do a dancing song or something like that. Um, So I really, really loved, loved story time. Um, And so part of what comes with my story time membership are um, 
story times that I do over Zoom because we're all not local and we sing songs. I record songs earlier in the week and I send them to the parents and then the parents learn them with the kids so that they're excited for singing the songs when we do our live story times over Zoom. Um, And then they are really great about sitting, again, sitting still and like listening to the story and just being really engaged with the stories that I read. So uh, that's the story time program. Um, And also right now, uh, this quarter, what we're doing is memorizing Psalm 34. Uh, One of my members was like, I have a two-year-old who has memorized Psalm 23. And I don't, I just don't have time to like come up with um, the hand motions and like, you know, explaining what all these words mean. So I was wondering if you could do that. And I thought, oh, perfect. So I, so I'm kind of like teaching myself American sign language. And so I kind of implement that into memorizing scripture for the littles. And again, they're just having a really great time with it. Wow. That is so unique. I can't believe a parent would be like, Hey, can you do this? And you're like, yeah, that's in my, you know, ballpark. I can totally figure that out. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so fun. Mm -hmm. And you know, I guess, so it was kind of like a, a natural progression of you kind of having the career of working in libraries, being really interested in books, being able to have this story time platform, which I'm sure has, has changed via COVID, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that yep. cannot have stayed the same, like with everything that they have for, for kids older yeah. than two and whatever. I mean, even just like having to wear masks and stuff, it's probably changed a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is part of the reason why I decided to leave libraries. One of the reasons was that that what I was doing with my um, my Instagram was getting so big, I couldn't work full time at my public library and do um, library for littles. And so um, I left my library in November and started doing substitute teaching because, again, because of COVID stuff, I wasn't able to do story time like I had previously. It was mm-hmm. I was doing like four story times a week. And by the time that I left, we had just started doing one story time a week. And like my coworkers and I were alternating and I was just like, I can't do it. Like I need to interact with children. Um, And so I started doing substitute teaching at my local elementary school. And I've just like, I've absolutely, absolutely loved it. I mean, I just have um, such a great time teaching kids and interacting with kids and it's just been, a real you're probably point. their favorite. You come on. You're they're like, this girl's like a professional reader and she knows everything about books. Like they, I mean, kids love books. Like it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, too. you know, me just having like a tiny, you know, just, he just turned one a couple months ago, you know? And so, but he still, he loves reading the same books over and over right now. He loves Jim, Jimmy Fallon's Dada, mama and baby books. I mean, they're so simple and they have such mixed reviews. People are like, there's no storyline. Like they're literally like trying to give this one, this book, like one star. And my kid reads it every day and is like, yeah. so pumped about it. I'm like, I don't know, but it's like magic or something, you know? And it's like mesmerizes them. Cause you're reading the animals and whatever. Um, but he, he just, he just loves like, you know, I guess hearing the same, the same story. Right. And it's familiar and the pages and the, and the cartoons, but so he'll sit down and just like read for like 10 minutes a day by himself. And someone told me that's really rare for that age group, but he really just flips through. And if it's upside down, he'll flip it right over and, and look at the pages one by one. And I'm like, Oh, you're like totally a reader. Um, why do why do kids like reading so much? It's actually surprising to me. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great question. They love it because they get to be a part of something else. When you're little, like I remember as a kid, your world is small. Like and it's it's small as in like you can't it, it's big in the fact that you're little and everything else is big, right? But in terms of what you do each day and what you see each day, it's very small. Reading allows you to have a bigger world. And that that's the same as when you get to be an adult, right? Like you read, I read to gain perspective on other people's experiences or other, um, you know, whatever. And uh, the fact that he is, um, I think a lot of parents are under a misconception that you always have to read different books to your children. And that's just not the case. Like children's brain develops um, when you have repetition, right? So like, Um, when you read the same thing over and over, there are synapses in their brains, right, that, that become stronger because of repetition. So repetition is very, very important, especially for, for a baby, especially for a 14 month old. Um, And when you constantly read the same books over and over, it can get like really dull. However, that is also how children learn to read. They start to recognize the sounds with the letters because you're doing the same one over and over again. And so he probably thinks he's actually reading. He, he, I'm sure that in his mind, he's probably doing the sounds over and over again because you've done them so many times. And that's how they start to learn to read. I wouldn't be surprised if your son is actually reading reading by the time he is four. That's crazy. That sounds so wild. I mean, it just, and like, he'll have favorite parts and sometimes he'll push to the favorite part and want, want me to read that one. And then he'll close the book and want to start over. And I'm like, Oh, you see, you, you just skip these three pages. It's just boring. Right. And you just go to that last one because you like the way, you know, that it, the last part sounds or whatever. And I'm very interested in it because it's just like that cognitive development that is like, it's not talked about all the time. And it's probably boring to people without kids or whatever. Um, but you know, it's interesting when you're seeing it and you're seeing it change constantly, you know, because kids are constantly doing new stuff. And it's like, wow, you went to bed and you did this and you weren't able to do that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's really so important. Cool. Repetition is definitely key. Um, that being said, as they get older, obviously it's good to have other books thrown in, thrown into the circulation as it were, uh, of the books that you constantly read, but all of that is really important. So, you know, as a, as a Christian, like as a believer, I like that you say that, you know, in your profile, it's very clear, like that you're, you're looking for themes of books that align with the gospel message or with the God is love message and, and that kids can resonate with and learn from, um, you know, how do, how do you feel about, you know, the magic stuff? Like I'm a huge Harry Potter fan, but I know there was a lot of pushback, even from some of my relatives, Andrew shouldn't be reading that, whatever I turned out just fine. But I, you know, I do remember that being a hard topic and sometimes it still is today. So how do you feel about it? You know, can you tell us a little bit about some recent book reviews you've done? Yeah, sure. Um, so normally I don't talk about Harry Potter in public because, people feel so strongly like people already know how they feel about Harry Potter do you know what I mean um 
Yeah, they already know. So I don't want to add fuel to the fire. Also, mm. I, I mean, personally, I don't find I don't have a problem with Harry Potter for several reasons. Um, one of them being it's not steeped in the occult, right? Like, if you the the people that I have talk to who have a problem with Harry Potter, they're not consistent. Like if you are going to be against witches and wizards and all of that, well, then you can't watch Cinderella. The fairy godmother. Interesting. The fairy godmother. Yeah, she uses magic. Yeah. Bippity-boppity-boo. There you go. You can't, you know, if you're going to be consistent, then Mm. you cannot watch the innocent things that deal with magic right um i'm part of this group on facebook called um the literary life group and they have a podcast and i listened to this episode that they did and it it made so much sense to me in that we we are kind of in this world where if you can see it and touch it and and feel it and it has to be all of the senses so everything that you is everything that you can touch and and use and and see that's what's real right and so the problem with that is it takes away from the supernatural and do we serve a supernatural god we do right what do you do with the holy spirit how do you explain the holy spirit if you are taking everything that your child um, reads or listens to or whatever, if you take supernatural away from them, what are they going to do when they come across Jesus doing miracles? Like, wow. well, that can't be real. They can't be real because that's supernatural. I can't see it. I can't feel it. I can't, uh, relate to that at all because I have no context for mm. that. Right. And so, um, that being said, you know, Deuteronomy 18 talks a lot about seers and the occult, demon worship, and all of that stuff. You never want, I never want to put up in front of a child that deals with any of that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a trend, there's a trend in young adult, um, the young adult. Um, genre that has a lot of demons in it, like, and demons oh, yeah. that are, yeah, that and demons that are redeemable. They're like the protagonists. They're like the good ones. Right. And so I weird. Know, it's, it's so bizarre. strange. I, it's, it's bizarre, but like, when you think about our, like you say, genre, so people are reading this, people are intaking it and it's forming their mm-hmm. worldview. There's, mm-hmm. you know, I have a ton of adults that I I'm friends with, right. Because I live in New York city. I have lots of different kinds of friends, but, um, that love the idea of darkness, love the idea of, of demons are a little bit obsessed, honestly, with, with, you know, Satan or like evil, but they don't believe in God. And I'm like, wait, so who do you think is like sailing this ship here? Like, you don't want to talk about <laughs> God being real or angels, but maybe you'll, maybe they'll talk about angels, but like, they don't think it's from God or from Jesus. It's like a whole different kind of like light, but I'm like, so, so at the end of the day, where's your hope coming from? Because, you know, you want to give into this. Oh, I know this is real. I've seen things with glowing uh, red eyes and, you know, it's easy to see that there's darkness around when you see like the monstrosities of the world. But then you think about like light and God and, and, and creation. And that's no, no, that's not, couldn't be and, like 
Oh my gosh, this is scary. It's getting a little, get a little dark here, you know? And so, you know, like you're saying, a lot of it comes from books and what we read and even stories that play up to that, um, that same, Mm -hmm. you know, theme too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, when I'm, when I'm reading something and I'm deciding whether I'm going to recommend it or not, I, I do have guidelines that I, um, especially when it comes to magic, like the magic has to be in a better sense, like magical, you know, it can have some explanation of where it comes from. Um, and I, and I think of things like Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia and, and all of these like classic books that have a clear distinction of good and evil, right? Mm -hmm. Like I never want to recommend a book that portrays evil in, in a, in a, like, um, in a good way. I never want evil, um, to contribute to evil, right? So a book that I recently reviewed is called Jinx and it's by Sage Blackwood. And I really, really wanted to like it. I did like it because it was well-written. The story was good, but the main wizard was like drawing things on he he was casting a spell on the main character was drawing things chalk was lighting fires and did like a a life death spell on the main character they don't say anything about the chanting they don't say what the figures were looking like that that he drew in chalk or whatever um but essentially what he did was take away the the life of the main character and put it in a bottle so that the main character had to he lost like a a a certain sense of himself and so I was like you know that is that is trying to be God you're Mm -hmm. taking the life of someone and you are trying to determine what their next steps are right? Mm. That's putting yourself in the place of God. And I was just like, I just can't do it. I can't, I can't in good conscience say, this is a book that a 10 year old or a 12 year old could read and be okay. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So Cause they're still like forming. that. They're like a sponge, right? They're just yeah. taking it all yeah. in. So it's yeah. almost like, not, not like, oh, you have to be so careful that like they don't dabble in the wrong thing necessarily, but you want to be able to guide parents. Cause that's what you do. It's like, they're, they're taking it in and they're, it's, it could affect them in a couple of years of how they feel about other topics too. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's one of those things where I just like, you know, I just can't, I debated about it and I wrote a lot of notes about it. And I thought if a parent, cause this was a pretty popular series when it came out in 2013 and actually a parent of one of my members, um, was like, could you review this? Cause my son wants to read it. And so, you know, yeah. And I was just like, I will give you my thoughts on it. And then you have to make that decision, but it's not one that I'm going to say, here you go, parents, this is a good one to go. You, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and again, I want that decision to be the parents. Like I want them to know what's in the book so that they can decide what's best for their, for their reader, you know? Mm-hmm. I never want to put the kids in a bubble because they're going to come across these things at some point, but I want parents to be aware of what's in them. And I also, you know, I, 
I have specific guidelines like, okay, this is going to deal in the occult and I don't want to recommend that. Or it has, you know, a, a main character who's trans and I, that goes against what, you know, God says is, is good and true. And so I can't recommend that. Um, so there are a myriad of, of guidelines that I have for myself that I send to the parents of my members so that they know what to expect. This reminds me a lot of Luke 12, 48. And I just looked it up while you're talking from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. And, you know, I, I have read those different versions of this, this verse, and even just um, much will be expected, um, you know, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, much will be asked. It's like, who put you in, in this position to be asked these questions from these parents that are making these really big decisions for their kids, you know, it's like, even just like on this podcast, it's like, but, but you've been given this role and it's a responsibility. And I love how you're, you're giving these guidelines even for yourself, because like you said, you want to remain consistent. So Mm -hmm. no, it's so good. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, I I love reading and I love helping parents navigate the library because of course a lot of parents are like I can't I can't go to the library anymore because there's nothing there for me or there's nothing there for my child or there's so many books on display that I that I don't want my child child to see all of these things and all of them are legitimate concerns um, I'm probably going to do a, a workshop a mini workshop um, later in a couple of months I think um, <clears throat> When this airs, hopefully it will be um, maybe month or ju- the the month of May or June. Um, but essentially, what I want to do is help parents know that the library is for them. It's a it's a place where you can be a part of the community and build relationships with the community there because the library workers are a huge part of the community, and then you know, when you have that relationship with the people who work there, then you can start to say like, you know what, this display makes my child, me and my child uncomfortable, right? And so then there can be a discussion and then there can be change within the library because libraries are supposed to reflect the community. Mm-hmm. There, there are always gonna be something that offends everyone in a library. Sure. That's the nature of libraries. I have never uh, heard of this. Like literally when I think about the most offensive things, I would never put libraries in that. Like I, to me, it just sounds so silly that, that that would even be a concern and that people would be, you know, if something offends everybody, but I get it. I get it because it's supposed to be books for everyone. And yet, you know, maybe people feel unrepresented or, you know, something's not appropriate. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's something to offend everyone. Um, so if you, if you have a relationship with the people who work at the library, there's mu- there's going to be dialogue. There's going to be discussions like, okay, I'm, I'm a library user. I'm a part of this community. This makes me uncomfortable. And then you can start to change how the library looks because that's what the library is for, right? Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm, there's been a lot, a big response to my kind of question, like, hey, would you like me to do this workshop on how to navigate the library? Um, and so many people are like, yes, because I want to use that, but I don't feel comfortable using the library. And so, um, 
you know, it's, it's a really good place to get books, but also to be a part of the community and make like a small change. It, it doesn't sound like it's that big of a deal, but it actually is a huge deal. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. That's so good. Yeah. And so, you know, here you are talking a little bit about your faith. Um, what is your faith story and how have you formed, you know, your own faith and how has it grown over time to find value and, you know, biblical themes and things like that? Like, how did you grow up and, and kind of, how has it shaped you? Yeah. So I grew up in a family of six. My dad, uh, is still the pastor of our little church, uh, in LaRue and, um, yeah, I'm a PK for sure. Um, so yeah, I always grew, you know, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. Um, it was, it was a really awesome childhood. Um, I three older brothers and two younger sisters and my parents were so great about talking to us and building trust and building relationships with us. My mom would spend hours reading to us. I don't, I don't think I ever remember a time when my mom or my dad was not reading to all of us kids. Um, and so you know, we just had this really awesome, like family atmosphere that was built on, um, the foundation of Jesus as our, as our Lord. Now, that being said, you would think that I was just like, oh yeah, I've always been a Christian, but that was not the case. When I was, I think I was 10. Um, I just remember all of a sudden I'm sitting under my dad's preaching and all of a sudden it occurred to me that I was under the wrath of God. Like I was a good kid. I did everything I was supposed to I was like my older brothers, you know, like I, I just had this very self-righteous attitude. Like I'm going to make it because I'm a good kid. Like I don't do anything wrong ever. And it, I, the Lord just all of a sudden convicted me. And it was like a huge boulder all of a sudden hit me like, oh my goodness, I'm under wrath of God. I was really depressed for months. I just was not myself. I just could not shake this feeling that if, if I died, I was going to hell and that everything that I was doing, no matter how hard I tried, it wasn't enough. And so it was the last day of our vacation Bible school. And I was just upstairs in my room, just crying because I just felt so terrible. And I, and I just, I was ashamed to talk to anybody about it because it was just like, I don't know who I would talk to who would understand how I felt. Right. So I was in my room and I was just crying. And all of a sudden my dad walks in with my, my younger sister and she was crying and dad looked at me. He's like, well, what's wrong with you? And I was just like, I just feel terrible. I feel like I'm going to die. And I was like, what's wrong with Lydia? And she's like, well, she kind of feels the same way. And so my dad is the one who told us, like, listen, you know, we go through life and no matter how hard we try, the, it's like a test and we all get F's. We all fail. But Jesus came and he lived this life and he took that test and he got an A plus. And when we say we can't make it, we want Jesus's A plus, then he takes away that F 
and he gives us that A plus. And that is how we, you know, we become believers and that is how we get out from under the wrath of God. And that was the day that, I mean, I remember just like pouring my heart as a 10 year old, like pouring my heart out to God and just having that burden lifted. Right. That was wow. my, that, yeah, that, was, that is amazing. Yeah. What that a great was analogy. Enough. Good thing your dad was a pastor with all those, yeah. you know, all that wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's an extremely wise man. So, um, and I'm thankful to say that like, all of my siblings are walking with the Lord. Like, you know, I just assumed that all PKs became believers. And then I got older and realized that was not the case at all. And that it was such um, a gift from the Lord that all six of us are believers. Um, my oldest brother lives in North Carolina, but the rest of us all live here in Ohio. Um, there are 14 grandkids between all of them. And, um, the Lord has just really, really blessed us in many, many ways. That's awesome. That is really cool. Yeah. It's to define terms guys. Cause we always like to do that on Grace podcast. PK is just a pastor's kid and we've interviewed plenty on here. And sometimes I know they are when, when I have them on, but I actually always get really excited when I find out they are when, you know, as we're going. And, and the reason why is because a lot of times they have up and down journeys in their life because they've been presented with this very clear view of who God is and what they can believe because of their parents and their siblings and what they're teaching in the home. But then they come out and, and maybe they have a, a streak of rebellion or a turning away from God and turning back, or maybe they never turn back. And so, you know, it's sad in a way because, you know, as, as a mom now, you know, and seeing, you know, even a pregnant belly, my own pregnant belly and, and wishing and hoping for, you know, my son James to be able to walk with the Lord. And, um, you know, even to the extent of just like very strong prayers for specific things in his life. Um, and for him to, to walk that, you know, straight path and, and for him to love God, like, you know, early on and, and for it to just overwhelm him, you know, to be authentic. And so, you know, you think about that as a kid, um, you know, with, with your own children and how much it means to you as a parent and how heartbreaking it would be when it's like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, faith is just hard. Faith just struggle mm-hmm. or doubt is just overwhelming instead. And, and so when I think about your siblings, I'm like, yeah, that is totally a blessing that, you know, for you, that you get to have that fellowship within your own family and for your father to have that joy of seeing everybody grow, you know, together. I mean, it's, it's really rare, but it's really special. So, you know, it's definitely yeah. a gift. Um, and yeah. you guys, you know, I'm, I'm really loving this conversation and, I, um, I, I love like talking about our past because it can show how our faith has been formed, but also like she's going through stuff right now. Like we have Anne here. I would love to hear what God is teaching you today and like what kind of messages you're getting from the Holy spirit and how he's guiding you right now. And, um, and yeah, what you're learning. Yeah. So <clears throat> My uh, fiance and I have a really, really interesting story. Um, He is originally from Ghana and lived in Canada for 20 some odd years. We met through his blog in 2017. This is 2022. He has now just for the first time been able to come to the U.S. to see me and meet my family. Um, Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has been five a, years, five years. It's been five years. I don't recommend anyone date for five years. It's pretty miserable. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, the Lord has seen us through and we learned so, so much through the whole thing. Um, because a lot, like it was, it, we would get really close to him being able, 
to be granted an American visa. And then all of a sudden, all the embassies would close down or the country would close, close down because of COVID or the borders would be closed or, I mean, and it was just like so many obstacles, so many obstacles. Um, But through it all, we, we kept looking at the goodness of the Lord. God gives us so many promises in his, in his word. I mean, Romans 8.28 is something that I held on to for a long time, right? That, um, you know, God's goodness to me and his glory are never separated. So everything that I was going through was for my good and his glory. And even though it was hard to see that sometimes, I would make myself see it, right? I would make myself go back and say, yeah, but look at what he did here. This is hard right now, but look what he did here. You know, um, there were, I started to make a list of all of the reasons why um, Samuel was still in Canada and I was still in, in the U.S. Um, you know, I had a, a young girl who was 18 years old and in a really rough home. And she was like, hey, can I come and live with you? And so she lived with me for a year. Like I was her guardian. I went to parent-teacher conferences. You know, I provided a home for her and all You're of those such an things. old soul. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, I was able to provide a safe home for her because he was still in Canada right? Like it would not have been a, I would not have been able to do that if he were here. Um, He was able to do so many things uh, while he was in Canada. The list is really long. Um, But it was like, we just kept looking at how God was good and how we could serve him apart until we could serve him together. And so it's, it's, a really, really incredible story, a really incredible journey um, with, again, lots of ups and downs. Uh, But we, yeah, that was just something that I kept learning that God is good, no matter what happens. And that, um, you know, his glory is, and my good are always intertwined, no matter how much it hurts it's always the same, right? My good and his glory. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I really like that. I mean, God is teaching you a lot and, and it's not unique that God teaches us things through hard times and God teaches yes. us things where, when we have to persevere and trust him. I, I don't, I don't ever hear, you know, I like to ask that question here because it's different for everybody what they're learning in this moment, but um, I've never heard anybody say like, I'm learning a lot from being on the podium and just getting everything I wanted in life. I mean, that, that rarely is the case, right? It's usually when, when athletes are like going through the grind of, of, of just failing out and, and missing out and, and having to make a lot of sacrifices or, or having a, a, a doubt of depression or something tough where they really have to depend on God. And then maybe later they'll get a reward or an earthly reward, something like that. But, but it's, it's usually that time that God will use to grow us and, and he'll use it to grow our faith too. So no, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And um, where can people reach out to you? How can they um, get a hold of your programs? And um, you know, just your kind of closing thoughts on how they can stay in touch with Ampasma. Yeah, sure. 
Um, so I have uh, an Instagram where I'm pretty active and it's called libraries, sorry, library, not singular, not plural, library underscore four, like the number four kiddos. Um, it started out as library for littles. And then I had parents like, yeah, but what about my middles? Like, what about my kids ages eight to 12? Like I need books for them. And so it just sort of like, again, it exploded. I wasn't prepared for that at all. Um, so library underscore four underscore kiddos is my Instagram handle. Um, I'm not sure when this, uh, episode will, will air, but my, um, my, memberships open quarterly. And so the membership for library for littles and library for middles is going to open, um, the first week of April, um, the first or second week of April. And so you can sign up there. Um, I have free things. I have free book lists on my account too. So you can sign up for some free things. Um, and yeah, just like you can send me a message or whatever, and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing some wisdom with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I talk to you soon, Anne. We are a women's program that helps build a daily routine around Bible study, prayer, and fun fitness workouts. Get a month free with code EmbracePodcast.